being in this situation was the first time in my life ever to be in such a life-threatening um, situation. It's like a big wave. It's just rolling. It's just coming. And you, there's no way to escape. I mean, for me and my wife, it was clear. I mean, we could always, if like sorry, the, the, the shit hits a fan, we can always hop on a plane and leave the country yeah, and go back to Europe. But millions of people don't have this opportunity there. So for them, I was just like, okay, it's coming. What should we do? Where else should we go? What, yeah? um, and under these uh, uh, or in this environment, these, under these circumstances to understand or to, to see like how, how people are reacting was for me like this epiphany, this, this mind opening moment. That is Tim from Fightback, an entrepreneurial doer and global ecosystem builder. He is on a mission to accelerate the global transformation towards a healthy and sustainable planet. Fightback is an international nonprofit platform for leaders and innovators coming together to jointly create a sustainable and healthy future. During this episode, we discuss Tim's awakening call that made him devote his life to cause greater than himself the importance of letting science guide humanity's prioritization of efforts, and the need to move beyond corporate strategy and planning to future fit leaders by affecting their intrinsic motivation to do what's genuinely good for people and planet. I really enjoyed this talk with Tim, and I'm sure that you will do that too. Welcome, Tim, to the, uh, to the Replanet podcast. Thanks for joining. Thanks so much for inviting me. Thanks for having me. For um, for listeners who uh, perhaps don't know who you are yet, uh, should we start in that corner? Let's. Uh, who are you? Sure. Yeah. Thanks, um, Tim. I'm um, originally from Germany. I studied industrial engineering and management in the background. I've always been in the startup innovation technology space. Um, I've been active in this space uh, for for many many years, and then. Yeah, just uh, a few years ago, I really realized, okay, we have to do more um, against our, like the, the global uh, climate crisis that we're having. And also now, as we see what's happening with our global health uh, systems, that we have to get more active there. And so I made this now my, my new mission to push into that direction. Yeah. And I know you've started this um, uh, sort of community called Fightback. Uh, could, you, could you share a bit of what, what that is? Sure. So Fightback is, um, it has been there before myself. So I'm not a CEO and I'm uh, one of the co-founders there. But, you know, Fightback really has been coming out of the community itself. So there are some um, successful entrepreneur, entrepreneurs basically sitting behind this um, who once said like, okay, um, we really have to find a neutral space where we can bring decision makers, global decision makers, where we can bring them together on a neutral space to discuss about what needs to be done, what can be done with respect to climate change, with respect to health, as these are our two big uh, buckets basically that we're paying into uh, with our work. And they got frustrated because in all the other, you know, like platforms where you can meet and work and discuss and so on, often it's really just like about policy talk or it's about, I mean, often also about greenwashing and these kind of things. But, you know, making the strategies or the roadmaps and so on is, is not really the tricky part of our challenge. The tricky part really gets in the execution and on a personal level, but also on an organization level, on a political level and so on and so on and so on. So uh, these initial guys basically said like, okay, where is a platform where we can come openly together to discuss cross industry and cross border about 
what needs to be done, how are you doing it, what can we learn from each other, how can we potentially start working together? Um, also, as this is a super interconnected or highly interconnected challenge that we're facing, right? So it's obviously too big for one um, player to solve it by themselves or just alone. So collaboration um, across um, value change, supply change, but also across industries, especially on the learning perspective, is like the key element here. And this was the initial thing. So the fightback never started basically with the goal of like, I don't know, like we want to plant a billion trees and who wants to help? But rather, we always said like, okay, we want to make this an organization, a platform that is, or that will be there for, for many, many years. And also the challenge that we're facing along these years will change. So we want to stay flexible and react on that and try to understand always from the community, from the members, from the, the people, the individuals, but also the organizations they're representing on that side. Like what are the challenges? What are they facing right now? And how could we best support them in that sense of bringing the right people, the right also like-minded individuals really together to support each other on that. So that's why, for example, beginning of the year, we're talking heavily about uh, impact measurement, about ESG reporting and so on. For like two, three months, this was a very important topic. And then it's somewhat, so that the need, so to say, um, was, was, uh, was, was solved in that sense after a while. And, uh, and then we hopped on to the next topic. You know? And this is how we basically operate in that sense. You know? Cool. So you, uh, you're on a mission to, to accelerate the global transformation towards a healthy and sustainable planet. And uh, so I guess with uh, what you just said as, as a background, you, you do that in, in sort of multiple verticals. You're not uh, focusing on, on a specific one, but you actually try to impact several of them. Is that correct? Exactly. Yeah. So that's also why I'm you know, it was never our mission to create something or like to, to, to reinvent the wheel when it's already existing. And there's so many other NGOs out there that just focus on uh, policymaking or like influencing local politics or even uh, the union and so on, which is fine, which is important. Or you just have those that just focus on one industry. You know? That's also fine um, and it's needed. But we said, okay, how can we bring like this knowledge together really cross industry, cross country? What can we learn from, I don't know, like the companies in the, in the US? What can we learn from also cross-stakeholder, right? So how can we bring in entrepreneurs to bring in a new spirit uh, instead of just like having like the, the big OEMs sitting together and discussing? I mean, all these rounds already exist in that sense, but the magic always lies in between. And this is also what makes it a bit tricky because you're trying to uh, identify unused or untapped synergies and potential and activate that. I think this is what really needs to be done because we need a new way of thinking, um, a new way of acting, especially when we want to solve our global global crisis and especially under the time pressure that we're in. I think nobody can really say how much time we really have left. And then also with respect to what kind of yeah, um, tipping point uh, in nature. Yeah? So you always have to put the reference there as well. And, um, and so it's basically a, a game of time um, or a challenge of time and putting the right actions in place faster. And doing this is not easy because we don't have too much information about then the individual problems that you're facing potentially. You know? mm. Yeah, what I, what I, what I think, uh, what I love about this is that you, you sort of take this helicopter perspective uh, where a lot of other NGOs, uh, which is super good as well, but they, they focus more specifically on, on one thing, but you try to find those synergies between players, between you know, different parts of value chains and so forth uh, to unleash that potential, which is, I think, 
super hard for those if they would because th these challenges are bigger than themselves and i guess they they recognize that and the need for collaboration right yeah so the, the funny thing is like also we we go a different uh, approach we don't go to the corporates and say hey big company um would you like to send five of your uh, top managers over to to fight back and so on you pay a management uh, like a membership fee or something yeah this is not the approach we're going we're always going from the um from the individual. So if you are an individual who wants to do more, who wants to, you know, collaborate on a different level with other individuals, if you want to exchange thoughts, if you want to learn from each other, um, but from an intrinsic motivation point, then this is, um, this is the place basically for you. Yeah? Um, these are the ones we're looking for. Obviously, we are looking for people who have a, also an, an impactful role in the organization. So that once they pick up something yeah, or they uh, find potential new collaboration, so on, that it also can be executed. Yeah? Um, so this is, this, is, this is a way how we basically look into who should be part of this, who can really benefit of it, but also who can contribute on the other side to the community that is already existing. Yeah? Um, maybe I'll give you an example of what, what, uh, what like a collaboration really looks like in that sense. Yeah? So... Um, we have initiated uh, an alliance, which is called the Dr. Earth Food Alliance. So because here we, we really try to understand what are areas that most of our members really are interested in, but also where are these untapped uh, uh, potentials, these untapped or unused synergies that basically can be, can be um, activated to create impact. And so we looked, okay, what is, what is potentially the, the, the overlapping area between climate and, and the climate crisis on, on, on the other side, health. And so you have several of them, right? So you could also go into air pollution yeah? or you could go in general, like of, of, of global warming and, and, and heat waves and so on. I mean, this is like, it directly overlaps there with, with both of these um, big, big uh, areas. But the, the point is, if you want to solve them, you're back to the, the big areas. Like, okay, we have to change energy. We have to change electricity. We have to change uh, mobility and so on. And a lot is happening there already. But what we understood like, is like there's, a, there's another area, there's a third area, which is nutrition, a healthy diet. And we, we all said like, I mean, this is like one of the biggest opportunities we have out there. Because if we all eat more healthy and more sustainable, our body becomes um, fitter, more systems, uh, resilient, sorry. Uh, it's good for the, for the corporates because we can become more productive and so on. Um, and also on the other side, as food is um, responsible for more than a third of our global greenhouse gas emissions, is one of the biggest buckets where we actually have to take action, right? So then we said, brilliant, why don't we bring all the different organizations together that are working already in this area or that can put something on the table here um, to bring basically these puzzle pieces together to create something bigger than each of them could do individually. And this is what we've been initiating with this Dr. Earth Food Alliance, and which has now been initiated really, and it's existing now, um, where we said like, as a common goal, we would like now to um, empower 10 million Germans by 2025 to change their diet towards uh, sustainable and healthy um, nutrition. And this maybe doesn't sound a lot, but give you a reference number in Germany right now, we have seven and a half million vegetarian and one million um, vegan. So we're trying to more than double that number, basically, of people who really are aware about like, uh, or making more conscious food decisions in the future. 
Wow, that's that's um, really aspirational. I, I I love it. So you're basically trying to connect the, the two biggest challenges of our time, where one is human health and one is planetary health, and do something where which which would probably solve both of them at the same time, right? Yeah, that would be. That's like, and I, you know, we, we we came up with this also saying this is maybe the first time in human history. I'm not sure what what kind of uh, um, technology you're using, but if you if you're having like uh, an, your Apple uh, devices and you have your, your Apple uh, Health app, maybe, or you have your Samsung Health app, just want to look into these where millions and billions of people are basically using these technologies. Um, you can actually track already your meal, yeah? what, 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 what you're having right in front of you and you can put down the calories and it will tell you like if this is now, if you're eating too much or too less or if it's too much sugar in it or what, what not. But all these, uh, these apps and so on that are out there, just to give you as an example, they are not putting in the information of um, how sustainable your food actually is. So if we would just add this kind of information layer to the already existing infrastructure that millions of people are already using every day, we would already be able to raise the awareness of the connectivity of this field and the impact we can have easily. Yeah? So this would be just one thing, but we are also talking about um, how can we get doctors to actually, or hospitals in general, the, the health ecosystem to really um, embrace this topic more. Because just again, in Germany, you have about 20 million patients going through German hospitals every year. We would only have to reach half of them And the campaign would be a success, if you want to say so. Yeah. Um, and same goes to everyone who's, who's in, uh, I mean, in, in, in schools. Yeah. So early education about food and nutrition. There have been many projects already out there trying this. Um, but some of them failed. Some of them were more successful. It's not so easy, but it's a topic where we now can come from both angles. That's actually the core, the core message here. It's not only about the health aspect, but it's, It's also about the sustainability aspect. And for some people, the one thing is more relevant for others, it's the other thing. But either way, you're going into the right direction. And it's not only pushed anymore from, from one angle that might potentially not speak to you in that sense. And this is the, the, the chance, the unique chance that we see right now where time is running and we can push forward. And it's, you know, the wonderful part about this is the solutions is already, are already there. In, the, in this case, really, because The salad, in this case, is already in the supermarket. It's just waiting for you to pick it up instead of the chocolate bars and whatnot. And this is the, this is the easy but not so easy decision you just have to make, uh, which each of us can do individually, but also corporates can do. And now we see like the big industry players are also moving more and more in this direction of Nutri-Score and more sustainable productions and so on. Um, so there is a big movement in that. We just want to speed it up a bit more and get the awareness faster out there in the market. Um, so that we can reach our goals faster. Yeah, it sounds sounds like a good approach. I think what I what I've um, uh, learned during my only two years in this space is that food is very much the probably the hardest thing to solve. It's it's the easiest, but also the hardest because it's so emotionally ingrained in us uh, it's so, such so, so personal that nobody else except perhaps a doctor is uh, allowed to tell you anything about what you should put into your mouth so i i really like the idea of sort of um, i've been fiddling around with this idea myself of how could we reconnect kids with food uh, in, in a way that they impact uh, their whole lives ahead of them but they also impact their parents And then perhaps also the, the, the doctors, because we, we still put a lot of trust into 
into uh, authorities like like doctors, although they are, in my view at least, very reactive. It's like going to the the, the mechanics when your car car is broken. <laughs> uh, it's not really really a proactive field. Um, so uh, I, yeah, I you really have you have it. to you have to hit the point of relevance for each individual person. So for me personally, it was like my 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 wife has a food intolerance. And so for us, it was a necessity basically to really change the diet and then being more and more into the sustainability topic as well. We said like, why don't we just like combine both directly? It makes sense. Yeah. And it's also fun on the other side. If you make it fun to explore uh, nutrition in a completely new way and ingredients in a completely new way. And how can you, what can you now do if you are limited to a, a range of, um, of ingredients? What can you do with that? I mean, it, it can be limiting on your side, but it can also be very enriching. It's again, and this is the, I think this is the hardest part of the whole transition that we have to make. It's a new mindset, a new way of thinking. And by this triggered a new actions that need to follow. And this is, if it's in food, but also in all the other areas, I think this is the, the, the hardest part that needs to be solved because we all, if the pressure and relevance to us as individuals, but also as then corporates in that sense. But again, corporates are also just like many individuals coming together. Um, if, if the relevance to change or the need to change is high enough, the pressure is high enough, then we as humans, we can move pretty fast. But right now, we, we just don't feel it yet, not in all the areas, you know, or sometimes not the right people feeling it hard enough. Yeah. Um, however, um, but this is something where, where we also said, like, and this is something that we see in our uh, community in Fightback, where we see the, those people who want to do things, but sometimes struggling in the execution because simply it is hard, um, on a mental side especially, um, we said, okay, maybe we should also set up a support system here. So throughout summer now, actually, together with some um, mindset and, 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 and life and business coaches, we said, can we create a program um, a coaching program to support them. And this is what we did. Uh, it's, we, we, we called it a future fit leadership coaching program. So this is what we've now set up there. And right now the first test batch, if you want to say so, is running and it's, it's coming to an end now with end of the year um, with already now overwhelming um, feedback from the participants where we said like, okay, what should actually be a future fit leader? What should this person actually, what kind of skills should this person have? So this is what the group decided. We didn't give them like, this is what a future fit leader should look like. They, they did it together in a, in a several hour long workshop. And then we let each of them to rate themselves on like, okay, where do you see yourself on this, on this path, on this journey, on each of these uh, areas? And this was basically the, the, the ground layer where they by themselves said like, for them personally relevant, like where they want to become better, where they want to improve, where they think change is needed. Um, and this became basically the starting point for this individual coachings that they are going through at the moment with the, with the, with the coaches. So this is also a, see here, we really come from the individuals again and trying to have from more authentic, future fit, empowered, sustainable and healthy thinking leaders to move forward, to guide the way forward, to be role, become role models. And with this have a ripple effect on themselves on the social, in the social context, but also obviously bringing this into their organizations and their, and their companies. This is the, the impact we're trying to, to make here. Nice. Are there any examples of, of leaders who have uh, brought the uh, sort of a, a, a predominantly plant-based diet back to uh, and implemented in their organization? Do you know about that? 
Mm, not, not yet. We're actually going through a uh, feedback rounds in the next two weeks. So I could, I can tell you more in two weeks. Yeah, yeah. I'm just now uh, getting like them in um, for specific feedbacks right now. It's just like that. Um, they really appreciate this. It's really helpful for them, uh, for most of them, especially now throughout the last say four to six weeks also with COP and so on, right? Um, I know some of them, they um, have been standing on stages and so on. And it's like, you know, like it's, it's hard to go out there and, uh, and, 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 and shoot out these messages yeah, and present your bold ideas that you sometimes have against shareholders, company culture, um, the media and so on. But when you are convinced that it's the right thing and you can prove it also with data that this is the right way we should move into, but you have so many windmills that you're fighting against, basically. Yeah, uh, how, where do you take the energy every day from, right? To do, to get up and do it again and again and again. Um, and this is the tricky part. And but here we have already seen that some of them um, have really mastered this, uh, or it helped them at least throughout the past weeks um, to really stand up and do this. So this is already where I see great. This is fantastic. We want to scale this. We want to do this more in the future. So this is a program we will continue doing. On a uh, personal level, um, getting that this this energy as you, you talk about uh, to you know go up and do it again, do it again, all over. Uh, what what made you realize that you wanted to double down on this space and and uh, what sort of provided the tipping point for you to change perhaps some old behaviors going into this? So I was lucky enough, um, it was in 2017, 2018, I had the opportunity to go to South Africa. Um, I spent several months in Cape Town. And um, while my wife and I, while we were there, um, there was a water crisis in Cape Town. So literally the city was, uh, um, they had a water shortage um, with 30 days left. And they called it, sorry, I don't know which, idiot, sorry, uh, really came up with the idea of calling it day zero. So this is like, like in a bad Hollywood uh, uh, world going a doomsday movie, yeah, where someone really calls it like day zero, but they did it. And it was like the official campaign, basically day zero is coming. And we were there was 30 days left. So really you're waking up, it was like 29, 28, 27. Why is that? Because for several years, it hasn't been raining anymore there. And um, even though it's located right on the ocean, right? It's um, there. Are, they have like seven uh, big water reservoirs around the city, which just ran empty because it hasn't been raining for, for several years. So it was also predicted. So also here, uh, the officials would have had enough time to actually act and make the right decisions, like building desalination plants, building up uh, additional infrastructure and so on, get prepared. Um, to, um, to really make sure that this catastrophe would never happen. But uh, when we were there, it was already too late. So they, they missed the window of opportunity to make the, the right actions. And being in this situation was the first time in my life ever to be in such a life-threatening um, situation, which is a very, how do you say, um, intimate kind of uh, experience that you're having. You're vulnerable, um, right? completely yeah mm. because this is like you just see like it's like a big wave it's just rolling it's just coming and you there's no way to escape i mean for me and my wife it was clear i mean we could always if like sorry the, the, the shit it's a fan we can always hop on a plane and leave the country yeah, and go back to europe but millions of people don't have this opportunity there so for them i was just like okay it's coming what should we do where else should we go what yeah um and 
then under these uh, uh, or in this environment, in these, under these circumstances to understand or to, to see like how, how people are reacting was for me like this epiphany, this, this mind opening moment, basically, because I've seen that in such a situation, um, the officials, the usual um, citizens, the organizations, the corporates, the businessmen, everyone, like startups, everyone, they're not very proactive anymore. And I call it like the Africa effect where everyone basically starts finger pointing on the other and trying to say, oh, it's your fault. And they want, no, it's your fault. No, it's your fault. I mean, this doesn't help while the countdown is running, you know, or they're trying to do, I don't know, like they will bring in like delegations from Israel and from the Netherlands and so on. So everyone who knows very well about water and trying to understand what can we do last minute? Yeah, you can't do anything anymore. You, you really, you fucked it up kind of, yeah. Um, so they were already preparing for a plan B. And the plan B was literally to give everyone like a five or 10 liter, uh, obviously container, um, to get the, the groundwater. So they have about 200 wells in the, in the city area. And so everyone would have been allowed to go there and pick up like their five or 10 liters, which is not much uh, every day. But I mean, think about this. Suddenly water becomes like the most valuable like, good you have or utility you have. So it needs also to be pro protected. And like families need to be protected because you have like rich, but also the poor uh, in, 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 in Cape Town. So um, this would have been like a massive effort on police, uh, um, uh, police bringing in or military and so on. Like think about all this, yeah? Like the infrastructure that suddenly needs to be set up there. But uh, the biggest part that I learned was like, okay, nobody would have died out of thirst. Um, but what happens if you can't flush your toilet anymore? And you can't put up or keep up the, the high level of hygiene anymore. So you can't take showers anymore. Maybe it takes two days and like you have all different kinds of diseases everywhere spread out. And then your health system breaks down as well on top of this. And this is just like, then you talk about hours or days potentially, uh, if you're lucky and systems completely break down. And then you have complete chaos. So this is what you what what we were looking into, right? With 29, 28, 27, 26. And I then realized, wow, what I'm seeing here, what I'm learning here is basically what happens if nature is not reacting the way as humans want it to behave. And when you miss the opportunity to do the right actions when you had the time. And this was for me like, okay, this seems to be like an experimental setup here, like with the city of Cape Town. But the same thing is happening globally multiplied by X. So... Then I said, like, when I come back to Europe, I really want to do something. I have to do something because we have to use the time that is left to take the right actions. And this is when I then, yeah, when, when the whole fight back story basically began for me. Let me tell you that I, we, we share the exact same experience. I think we were, we were probably in Cape Town at the same time. <laughs> uh, me and my wife were there for three we months know. during that time. So, um, I uh, when driving on the the highways, we also saw these the signs with the the countdown, like how many days are there left to water. Uh, perhaps we ran into each other uh, there. Who knows? For me, the, the the most frustrating thing was actually that seeing like what the municipality was doing was like installing new water meter mm -hmm. in houses. So they invested money and and like. I don't know, for technology to, to be sure or to measure how much water the citizens are consuming and if they go above of what is allowed to make them pay a, a fine. How should this help? Right? I mean, yeah. it's like, it's just making, I mean, was even this investment of 
putting in new meters, like was this actually kind of profitable to them? I, 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 yeah. How can you come up with such an idea even? I don't know, it's not solving the problem at all. It's not even curing the, the symptoms kind of. So, but these are actions that were really there. That's what they were doing. I was like, seriously? Like, I mean, seeing this, it's like, wow. So yeah. at least it, it some, somehow it got extremely visual and close to you. Uh, I guess in in um, compared to the overall climate crisis, which is, you know, living in the western part of the world, you can sort of um, distance yourself from it because. Uh, but 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 for very many people, and I, I don't know if you followed the, the. I guess you followed the COP twenty six, and I saw the uh, the prime minister of uh, Barbados her speech like we're we're actually going to die. This is a death sentence. Like two degrees is a death yeah. sentence to us. But it's just so easy for us in the other, in the sort of the, yeah, the Western part to just distance ourselves and, and, and feel that this is far away into the future. So I, I, what I like about the Cape Town approach with the visual things there was that it suddenly became so close to you. And I guess you could do something similar for, for the global crisis we're in. I think here's about sharing experiences, right? So this is my experience. That's how it got relevant to me. I mean, millions of people are dying every day, huh? right? But we don't see it because we we don't read the news or we don't watch these uh, documentaries or whatever, right? So you can for sure try to push it away from you. But once it's there, once it's standing right in front of your uh, your, your door yeah, um, and knocking, or knocking on your door and, and you open up the door and you're just like, Letting it in, I think it makes it changes you in, in one way or the other. But on the other side, I mean, the, just uh, this year we had like the, the heavy floods in Germany, in the western part of Germany. Um, this is something completely unexpected that happened there, right? So to me, this was a clear sign for extreme uh, weather that was happening completely randomly in that sense in a, in a region where nobody expected it to happen, and people died right in germany so guys this is you can't push it too far away from, from from you yeah it can happen every day anywhere in the world basically yeah and yeah, we can't close when we, when we con can't control that so no definitely getting closer and i think that's probably probably good <laughs> in, in, in in a sense <laughs> we but um <clears throat> the question is how, how many how many wake up calls do we need? How many more do we need? This is the question. Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, having having been on your um, e fightbacks emailing list for uh, quite some time now, I and, and I'm also seeing you, that you've you've put out those two um, playbooks on your website, which which are free for for everybody to download. One is about authentic leadership, and the other one is about um, uh, eat for the planet. Yeah. How did you? Um, how did you decide that those two topics should be uh, the first two playbooks? Yeah, it was really about this, what we say, like uh, coming from the individual perspective, doing this coach, uh, coaching program for the future fit leaders and authentic leadership, you know, this is where we said, okay, we have to put out more information, uh, bring out examples, uh, share uh, insights that we're gaining from our members um, that are to, to make it available to everyone easily just by, by, by reading. And not everyone is also joining all our sessions every time, right? Um, so, but you should be, you should be able to access this knowledge. Yeah? Um, and we just think like personal development in this direction is like the, the most important thing that needs to happen. Um, and food, yeah, I mean, obviously, as we said, like it's, 
it's the easiest way. If, if you ask, if anyone asks me like, what can I do about climate change? I would always go with, go with changing your, your, your diet because it's not only good for the planet, but it's also good for yourself. And to be honest, like most of us, we could definitely do better. Um, so instead of like, um, sure, take the metro or the bike or whatever, instead of the car to go to work and these kind of like the usual things that we're, that we're saying, yeah, um, I, would, I would always go with it with food first. And the data, this is to me like the most interesting thing because um, also the Dr. Earth Food Alliance is based on the... Um, on a planetary health diet. I'm sure if you heard about the planetary health diet. Yeah. But to me, like this is like a fascinating concept where then these um, scientists and, and, and food experts um, and climate experts basically were there, where they were coming together to create, I would say like the smartest way of eating, combining both. What is the most healthy nutrition we can eat, but also um, this food is coming from a healthy planet so that we can feed um, 10 billion people by 2050. Bringing these two big challenges together into one diet, this was the, the job, and that's what they published in the Planetary Health Diet. So the data is there. You can just read it. It's uh, uh, Take it in and then obviously execute it. Do it. Yeah. So there's. it's not a lack of information in that sense. It's, it's a lack of, is it relevant to me? Do I really want to apply to this? Am I ready for this step? What is holding me back? And breaking barriers and, and moving forward and becoming, I think that the part is the strongest part is really of becoming a role model and trying to be a good example for others who then are seeing what are the positive results out of this and then want to follow that. Yeah. And I guess one, one thing that is truly lacking in, in at least in, in the parts of the world where I've lived is the <clears throat> media's attention to this, because I, as you say, for, for sure, the, the, the information, the data, it's, it's all out there. It's for free. You can just go and read it. Um, however, most people who are not, you know, haven't seen sort of the importance of this or they haven't realized that, shit, we need to do something now, they, what, they, what they get consume is uh, media, they, they, mm. like the, the, the usual normal media channels. And I, my experience, at least, is that, that they don't really put a lot of attention to this. Take, for example, COVID. When in history has any topic such as COVID-19 been covered like daily from morning till evening? Um, imagine what would happen if, if we would do that with climate. Then I guess people would get truly aware of, of what is happening. True. No, you're absolutely right with that. So that's why we have to we have to push it more you know, on that side. I think it's fantastic what you are doing there already with the, with the podcast. This is another puzzle piece that uh, um, adds to adds to this bucket as well. Yeah, mm. absolutely needed. Thanks. So, um, you know, in the in the uh, in the playbook, you also in this Eat for Planet, you also mentioned the, there are some alarming numbers, and and I think it all comes down to the question: How can we? continue to feed this this amount of people while, while mm. making sure the food is fairly mm. priced, nutrition dense, mm. and its production does not hurt the planet. Mm. So what would what do you believe will be the, the top actions that leaders will have to just decide to do? Sort of cut the bullshit, let's just get to action. Yeah, I mean, we see more and more companies coming on the market um, that directly come up with this mission directly from the beginning, right? Um, especially these days from a sustainability perspective. So what I'm saying now is that most, I mean, if you take vegan cheese, for example, 
I mean, vegan cheese is brilliant from a sustainability perspective, but not necessarily better to say like this from a, from a health perspective. But at least on one of the, the two sides, we, we take the box here. That's good, right? And so you have companies that are that build up the whole business model based on this, and they will push this further and further and further, um, which is good because you need the alternative. You always need the alternative, um, and and that that tastes well and is yeah, and so on, and it's it's affordable and and, and so on. Then you have other organizations like the big ones out there, like the, the, the biggest uh, food companies basically there. And I think for them, it's a step-by-step um, process and, and learning curve also for them internally um, to move towards, towards this direction. So I think that, that we already have the Nutri-Score. I think, yeah, you know about the Nutri-Score, yeah. Um, it's already a, a good first move not saying that the Nutri-Score also is perfect or what. I mean, you can discuss about all these kind of things, but it's it's changing the mindset and the behavior, also the the, the, the creation of products or uh, changing like your assortment of like uh, of, of uh, products that you're offering, right? Um, and this is you know it always needs to start somewhere, and then um, obviously packaging and plastics on is a different topic as well, yeah? um, where we also see things moving. Could be faster as always and more mm, radical if you want to say so. But I mean, on the other side, we also have to understand the companies in one way, yeah, that these are all running machines and all, most of them, like some of them are the largest companies out there. So it all needs a bit of time and step-by-step processes. Fair enough. As long as they're moving in the right direction, brilliant. And once they're on the right street, then you can try to accelerate. Yeah, that's just, this is my take on that. And I would always sit or go um, and sit on a table with them together to support them because we need them. Yeah? Um, so I never would say like that these are the enemies or something you know, because they still provide us with the food globally. You know? um, and if they change in behavior and in acting and, and so on, then we're going to the right direction. So that's good. Um, what I would love to see more is in general a, you know, like when the customer obviously or the consumer in the end changes and, and asks for different nutrition. I think this is obviously the, the, the biggest um, leverage we have on the industry. That's where I see my power. And I don't know how it is uh, where you go shopping, but I see it here. Yeah, uh, I know that the supermarket here started just like with uh, a few milk alternatives, almond milk and whatnot. And we were just suddenly buying a lot out of, from, 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 from them. And they constantly ran out of stock until they suddenly realized after a few months that they actually have to uh, increase the stock of almond milk. And suddenly we see like a new row, like not only two rows of milk, but a third or a fourth row. So yes, even your, your little supermarket around the corner will potentially adapt to this because for them in the end, like they see like where the money flows to. And, uh, and this is this is the, the one indicator that is really measurable to them to see like in which direction they should move as well. That's why we are again like this goal of the, the Doctor Earth Food Alliance with 10 million people. Again, it doesn't sound that much if you want to say so, but in the other side, it is a lot because like just these nearly 10 million people in Germany they're already vegan or vegetarian. I mean, they are pushing basically the whole industry to move forward. And you never need 100% to make it mainstream, right? You just have to yeah, cross the chasm basically in that sense yeah, and get from the early adapters uh, over to the mainstream and then it makes a big wave. So maybe we just need like 5 million more, 10 million more. I hope that this, with this campaign, we can push it over the edge basically to make it really 
um, make the big wave out of this, basically, you know, to trigger that. That's the that's the idea behind it, so to say. You know? um, yeah, yeah, I, I love what you're doing there. I, I really think it will create a, a tremendous impact. So just 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 keep going there, and, and I think we'll cross the chasm at at some point, definitely. Uh, Fightback was also part of the uh, the UN Food System Summits, right, uh, in 2021, discussing food waste, uh, actions, uh, the future. I guess being invited to a forum of this caliber must have felt like some sort of recognition that what you're doing is right. Um, could you share a little bit of what happened there? What did you do? We sort of the experience of being part of such a high profile summit. So what, what, we, what we did is like, just to clarify, we didn't go to, to the food system summit in that sense, but we, um, we had our events being uh, an official um, side event, if you want to say so, of the of the the big UN Food System Summit. Yeah, um, so we said like, okay, I, we want to put our work under a bigger umbrella, and so we collaborated with them on, on that side. Um, I think the experience on that, what we received from that, was was really great because suddenly we we had the, the possibility to reach out to a completely different target group that we're usually talking to. Yeah, we've seen other people joining our event, uh, coming into the community uh, on our side. Um, that are even more on the food topic. I said, I mean, now we're talking all the time about food. Just to, just to remember um, also the, the listeners to, to the podcast, this is just one area where we're active, right? So the next alliance that we might do is maybe in tourism or in logistics or in, I don't know, yeah, uh, housing. Yeah? Uh, it's just the first one that we're really hopping into. Yeah? Um, and here you always see that there are many organizations that are already in these areas that are pushing really hard. Um, and it's great to collaborate with them. We never started Fightback uh, with the idea of like, we are now the ones who will solve the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, for sure not. But we're coming with a different approach. We're coming with a more entrepreneurial approach, with a, with a doer approach. Um, and we're trying to find and test new ways of how can we really create impact and put this into place instead of writing strategies or whatever kind of things. Yeah, And we're trying to bring out also with the papers, uh, with the reports that we're doing, uh, we're trying to to bring out um, hands-on actions that you can do yeah, and give you the knowledge at hand so that you can really make a change. Um, and that was also the, the, the thing with the, with the UN Food System Summit on that side with our event that we were hosting. We were bringing in uh, three fantastic entrepreneurs. I wanted to highlight them and show like, what, what are they doing? How are they trying with a fresh mind, basically, and new technologies? What are they trying to do? And then we talked actually a lot about also food waste which is a big part of our global greenhouse gas emissions as well, um, and uh, and how they're trying to to save food waste or reduce food waste and so on. So that was was a big learning there as well. I think it was to me it was very um, stimulating and again like inspiring what what others are doing in the space. You know, made it made it their mission. Yeah, yeah. Reading product drawdown, it, it's pretty clear that uh, both a, a predominantly plant based diet, but also the the food waste is. Uh, like they, they, they have two spots in the top four most impactful solutions, right, to the climate crisis. Yes. So it's, it's a good clarification you made there that Fightback is not only working with food. I, I think it's, a, it's, it's even cool, cooler because you're, you're not coming from food, right? You're, you're, you've started this and then you've kind of looked at what, where could we have a, a true impact and then food popped up. It just popped up, yeah, in that sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it just made, made sense, yeah. 
Um, also, just to, to clarify, maybe why we, we said that we're going into Germany first, because we could directly make it a European thing. Um, it was simply because we also wanted to get the health system in there as well. And obviously, we know, especially in Europe, like whatever kind of country you go, each country has like a different, very different kind of health uh, system. So, it, okay, maybe let's start where, where we have now the biggest outreach first and let's go into Germany and, and, and do it there. Um, or Try, try there it's not so easy to change the health system as well uh, um, uh, but uh, but uh, obviously once it's a success we and we have our learnings and we can also scale this and this is actually the idea as well to bring it to the other uh, countries as well on top of that what we just found out as well is that actually the european soccer championship uh, in 2024 is actually happening in germany so we said now why can't we open? let's try to get actually the german national soccer team as like the ambassador kind of or one of the ambassadors of the whole of the whole thing um as like always like a, a, a soccer in that sense or like a european championship is like the point of attention basically where the whole country looks uh, looks uh, onto for a period of time right for now it's the, again a, a month yeah or 30 days and this would be the perfect platform to really promote it and get people uh, or put people's awareness on this topic. It fits perfectly into the whole sports thing. Healthy, be fit, be, uh, we have to care about the, about the planet. And obviously the, the Euro 2024 should also be like the, the, the championship of sustainability. That's also what, uh, what the German soccer association basically was, was putting into the application um, when, when, they, when they applied for becoming the host of the, of the championship. So there are so many overlapping things now um, that we're trying to leverage on as well on this and co-activate basically to make the yeah to make the impact the potential impact even even bigger yeah yeah no it's it's uh, I, I love your approach it's uh, you have to package this and partner up i guess with with uh, the right sort of um, uh, appealing other brands and, and happenings and all that and and just to really spread the message but uh yeah, let, let, let me know when you're uh, thinking about Scandinavia and I'll try to uh, contribute with whatever I can. Love it. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so just the uh, last question here for you. The um, <clears throat> COP26 uh, is just finished. And um, I guess you, at least having more experience than me from, from such summits uh, or, or the likes of them, what do you think would... What do you believe would, would like bring about real change? What do you think will hap have to happen at those summits for those leaders to make change? It's a tough question. Um, to me, again, you know, like I always come back to the point of like individual empowerment, trying to bring this to the organizations to then make the change happen. And with the organization, I also mean like the, the politicians themselves. I think... You always have to, we, we should go one level deeper because again, like the facts are there, the information is there. You have like the examples of, of, the, of, of, the, of some of the states where they say it's a death sentence and so on, right? So all this is there. Why are we still not moving? <laughs> or why are we still moving slow? Um, I think it's just not, people have not really understood it, not from mind capacity kind of, but like from a, from a, how to say from more from an inner mm. um the emotional side of it the, yeah. you have to have both hearts and minds on this yeah. journey um maybe they just haven't seen it yet i mean maybe it would be good to take all of them not to meet in glasgow 
but like to make a round trip uh, and just go to all the different places that are really in danger, yeah? where you can experience it, where you can see it, what does it mean, what are the effects of it, so that you really understand it in that sense and you've experienced it. Potentially, then things would move faster. This is at least how it worked with, with, with myself. And um, well, for me, the, the trigger point. And then this starts putting up like a whole cascade of things, right? Then you start changing the one thing, then your diet, then your discussions, then your, your job, then your, and so on. Yeah? And your expectations from, from life and other people. Um, yeah. One, maybe one, one little anecdote to this. I really love this. You should see the, there is a, a wonderful um, interview with the um, mayor of Copenhagen uh, on YouTube where um, the, the interviewers ask him, him like, how is it possible that all these changes, positive changes are actually possible in the city of Copenhagen? And he was giving a very simple answer. He was like, you know, this is, this is super easy because the Copenhageners, they require the highest quality of life from life. And they've understood that 50 years ago, quality of life was very different as it is today and will be again very different in 50 years. And, but they say, we want to live with the highest quality of life. So, and they understand it as a society. So that's what they require from themselves, from their neighbors, from their politicians, from their employers, and so on. And as a community, they've understood it and that's why they are willing to make changes that sometimes is a hard cut in their lives because the last 20 years it was done differently and now they understand. But to increase quality of life, we have to make a change. And that's what we all commit on. Having this as a human right to ask for the highest quality of life and if each of us would understand this and execute on it, wonderful. This is to me like the, the thing that it works on a city level there. Um, was to me uh, so far the most beautiful explanation how change really can happen yeah I love it that's that's beautiful so Tim thank you uh, so much for uh, joining the podcast I think um, I, I definitely encourage everyone to sign up for uh, Fight Back uh, the yes, newsletter please. how uh, how can they get in contact with uh, with you and sign up on that if they would like to um, just we have an application form also on the on the website. Um, Fightback is for free for everyone who, who wants to join. Obviously, we're not letting in everyone just like this, but we want to understand what is your uh, what is your motivation? How would you like to contribute? How can we help you best? How can we bring you best together with the right people in the community already? So that's why you always go through a, a short interview, but we're open for everyone. It's as I said, like it's for free. Um, we want to bring more like-minded people together to increase the the impact. And uh, yeah, you're more than invited to. Just go on the website, put in a short application, and that's it. Nice. Sounds easy. Let's do it, it folks. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs>